Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. I'm here once again with Nicholas, Nikki V., and we are going to answer a question that has been sent to us relating to the gospel of the kingdom. And so I'm going to read it to you. It's a little bit longer than most of the questions that we've been answering, but just the question in itself deserves to be read because in it there are many very significant points made, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, so here it is. I've read through your book, Insurgents, three times, and I'm going through it a fourth time. I once thought the cost of following Jesus was an unbelieving world, making a joke about what I believed, and I was just to endure. The joke was really on me, and I am not laughing. Insurgents has revealed that the cost is so much greater than I ever knew. I really had no idea what it meant to be part of the kingdom of God and the eternal purpose and the real threat and power of its gospel. Now, let me hit the brakes here and make a comment. I'm humbled by this paragraph because this is the very intent of the book and my observation and my experience and the whole design of putting the energy and effort into producing it, if a person doesn't come away with this kind of a response, they've missed the message. They've totally missed the message. And I do believe it takes more than one read to really get what I'm saying. And, And again, I'm not saying that because I wrote the book. That's irrelevant. I have to read various books over and over again in order to really get the message. When that message has weight to it, spiritual weight, there's a lot of depth to it. And so... I applaud this. It's a brother. It's a man who wrote this. I applaud him for taking the time to really allow the drip, drip effect to impact him. You know, if you walk away reading it and you're not disturbed, you're not challenged deeply, then again, you haven't really heard what I have said. And that could be my fault as well as a writer. Nevertheless, it humbles me and encourages me at the same time. I do appreciate this reader's um, question, I mean, it's more than just a question, it's a bit of a confession as well. And I mean, to me, this is encouraging. This is the exact response that I've had when I've encountered the gospel of the kingdom at various points in my life. Just an utter conviction being crushed. I mean, if you read a book like Insurgents and you come away encouraged, um, there's something wrong. Yeah. You should come away troubled, disturbed, convicted, challenged. And I think this, as Frank goes through the rest of this question, you're going to see you've got somebody in a really intense wrestling match here. And to me, that's where you ought to be left after okay. reading. I was, yeah. again, in my life, yeah. brought back to another point of you know, decision again. I appreciate that. And just so it's clear, 
I had those wrestling matches before I penned the book. The book came out of those mattress brawls, but those things are still ongoing in my life in different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, I have not arrived at kingdom living, and there's always a new surgical procedure that the Lord is seeking to do yes, in me, right. and it's an ongoing walk. And I probably will say the same thing if God is merciful and I'm, I make it to 95. I'll probably be saying the same thing then. Yeah. This journey never ends. I think you should start the question again from the beginning. Yeah, so let me start again. Uh, I've read your book, Insurgents, three times. I'm going through it a fourth time. I once thought the cost of following Jesus was an unbelieving world making a joke about what I believed, and I was just to endure. The joke was really on me, and I'm not laughing. Insurgents has revealed that the cost is so much greater than I ever thought. I really had no idea what it meant to be part of the kingdom of God and the eternal purpose and the real threat and power of its gospel. I am at a crossroads where I find myself at the forked road of choice. Do I take the road narrow and blood-soaked by the predecessors of Christian disciples and apostles who traveled it before me? They counted the cost. There is so much to risk with a family that depends on me and a career that has provided financial security for our lives. How is it possible to leave everything when Jesus says, follow me? Question mark. Other than the apostles of scripture, I don't know of any Western or American Christian who, in a single moment of clarity, willingly left career, financial stability, emotional security, and everything that chained them to the world to follow Jesus. Maybe I am not looking hard enough. If the kingdom of God and its gospel is true, then there must be someone in the modern world who broke the chains and they have wanted for nothing but the kingdom of God. Surely the outcome of the cost are unfathomable blessings. All right, so I want to say a few things about this. It's interesting to me how the question is crafted because at first he is dealing with his own challenge of Jesus and he brings up family and financial dependence and emotional security. But then he shifts to other people. I don't know of any American Christian. I don't know of any Western Christian that is, essentially he's saying, I don't know anybody in our world who has forsaken all to follow the Lord. So it it moves from God is challenging me to what are other people doing? Is anybody else doing this? See what I mean? I don't think the gentleman is in touch with that because very often what we do in the subterranean parts of our soul is if we're challenged by something that is disturbing to us and it requires a cost, our defense mechanisms will often kick into high gear and start looking at other people and saying, well, is anybody else doing this? I can't find anybody else doing this. And the rest of that sentence is, well, then why should I, right? So I want to say that at the outset, because I do think that there is something here that this individual is struggling with that he may not even be in touch with. And that is, it doesn't matter who you know, who you think is really following Jesus, the way you think he should be followed. That's irrelevant, this ball game is about you and the Lord. Having said that, and I don't know the specific issue that he's dealing with. He talked about it generally, but I don't know if the Lord is putting his finger on, a, on his job, his current work. 
he's putting his finger on maybe a retirement fund, maybe other possessions or money he has. I, I really don't know. Here's the thing. The gospel of the kingdom, for some people, means leaving your current job. The gospel of the kingdom, for some people, means selling your house and relocating. Obedience to the gospel of the kingdom, for other people, means not quitting your job. In fact, for some people, if you were to quit your job, you would be disobeying the gospel of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about specifics like work and money, it's going to be different for each person. I'll give you an example. At the risk of being completely wrong, and please rebuke me if I'm wrong, correct me here, Nicholas, but I would dare say you are a father of four children. Most of them are young adults. 21 to 28. So they're young adults, okay? And today, 27 is the new 18. So people aren't as mature as they used to be several decades ago. But God bless them, none of them live at home. (laughs) None of them live at home at the moment. But you also have a special needs baby. And your wife is not currently employed. Well, she left her job to care for, for our new addition. Okay. Yeah. Your wife is not currently employed. She left her job to take care of the special needs baby. Now, you're the major breadwinner there. Yes, and that's a very relative term. You are, in fact... I'm the only breadwinner. (laughs) (laughs) You're the only breadwinner in the home. I would surmise that for you to quit your job for the sake of the kingdom of God would be to disobey the gospel of the kingdom. Is that a true statement? I think that's a safe assumption. And yet for my wife, it was the exact opposite. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So currently at this moment for you to quit your job. And, you know, we have... We have to understand that obeying the gospel of the kingdom and breaking the ties of the world system does not mean that you, in every circumstance, quit your job, in every circumstance, sell your possessions, and move out into the wilderness and eat locusts and wild honey, like John the Baptist did. Only one guy did that. <laughs> as far as we know, <laughs> one guy did that. The others in church Maybe history... Maybe a few wannabes. Others in church history have done it too. Uh, I wouldn't say that... It's never the case where the Lord might not you know, raise up another John the Baptist type or, or something like that. But the model of Jesus and his followers was not, Jesus was around the people. Jesus and his followers did not follow the way of John the Baptist. They absolutely forsook all. There's no question about that. But what that looked like differed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you read 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, Paul made clear that when he went to Thessalonica, he raised a standard in the birth of that ecclesia. But if you don't work, you don't eat. And he had to remind them of that because some of the men in that group, I surmise it given the culture and so forth that was men, had quit their jobs mm-hmm. because they thought the Lord was going to return. Right. So they quit their jobs for the kingdom. And yet Paul corrected them and said, go back to work. Stop mooching off the church, Right. When he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he said, let us work with our hands that we might have not only to meet our own needs, the implication being, but to give to others who are in need. He said in one of the letters to Timothy that if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an infidel. So obeying the gospel of the kingdom doesn't mean that you don't have income. 
Right. Now, it may be for some people. Right. And certainly for some people who are tied to jobs that have ensnarled them or who are in love with money or who are addicted to their work, it certainly may mean forsaking a particular job for some other means of income. But again, I don't know what this man is specifically dealing with, but the Lord may be putting his finger on his security fund. It may be putting his finger on his current form of work. And whatever it is, you know, I would say he's obviously a married man. You also need to realize, too, that whatever convictions you have, if you have a wife or a husband, you need to bring your partner into any decision you make. You don't want to sacrifice your marriage on the altar of obeying the kingdom of God as you see it. It's so tricky because we are all wired uniquely. We all have our own unique histories. And there's all these things that go into the makeup of our of who we are at this moment in time. And that's who the Lord's dealing with. And he has this penetrating gaze and this laser target to know exactly what to put his finger on that which is secretly sitting on the throne of our heart or awfully close to it and that's usually what he raises but that's different for each one of us for the rich young ruler he thought he had done all those things the lord brought up i don't think that was probably true but nonetheless the lord played along with him and and then he zeroed in lasered in on the real issue that this guy loved what he had and so the lord said sell it all and give the money away to the poor he didn't even say give it to the lord and come follow me and that guy went away sad so the lord zeroed in on something there and that's what the lord does with with each one of us he zeroes in um you know, for some people, it could be ministry. Their whole value and identity as a person is found in mm-hmm. serving God. Um, I dare say that's one of the biggies in, in the, on the Christian landscape. And so sometimes he'll come for your ministry and your service. It's different for each one of us. And I think one of the most dangerous things we can do is to look around the landscape and start doing a comparative with other people. Because that's usually the first sign that you're about to attempt to wiggle out of whatever it is the Lord is requiring of you. Yeah, absolutely. So if that kind of comparative thinking starts entering into your picture, uh, that's a red flag that you're about to attempt to wiggle out. You know, we've been talking uh, repeatedly in, in some of these past podcasts over the last few weeks about Romans 12, 1, 2, and being on the altar. And here we are again. This is really where we're at, Mm. is throwing ourselves on this altar and yielding to the searching eye of the Lord and what is it that he wants. And when you do this in your own strength and in in the flesh, you will gravitate towards things that look good. They look sacrificial, but for you, they're not a sacrifice. Like you mentioned earlier, Maybe there's a guy who's lazy and he just doesn't want to work. But he can cloak that mm-hmm. in spiritual clothing of, look, I've left my job and I've left all 
forsaken all, forsaken to all him. to to follow him when really what he has forsaken is responsibility, yeah. which he loathes. Right. And for him, he would need the power and the life and the mm. strength and the supply of Jesus Christ to hold down a responsible job for 40 hours a week. For him, that would be a demonstration of the kingdom mm-hmm. in and through his life. For my wife, at this season in her life, it was the exact opposite. Our little guy that needs 24 seven nursing Uh, he has to have an eyeball on him at all times Mm. um for her she needed to pull away from that and of course that affected our bottom line financially Mm. um in a a pretty impactful way um but again those those things become secondary they're very real concerns i mean there's always an implication to following the Lord and and heeding his call, whatever that call may look like in a given season in your life. And there are usually some scary implications. That's part of it. You know, Matthew left his job as a tax collector. Mm -hmm. Peter and all the other guys left their sources of income as fishermen. So there's always a practical consequence to heeding the call or at least most of the time there seems to be mm-hmm. um and usually it's it's the usually it's the consideration of the consequences of heeding the call that gives us pause hesitation or we start rationalizing about why mm-hmm. we can't do this at this time or why that's not the lord you know those are all signs that that you're you're wiggling off the altar and i'm going to make a statement now that will contradict what I said earlier. Earlier I said you don't want to be in a position if you're a married person or you have a family where you sacrifice your family, your marriage on the altar of the kingdom. This can be done. You know, not bringing your partner into your decisions going off with you know what you believe God is saying to the neglect of those who are in your care. But it's also possible, here's the other side of it, to sacrifice Jesus Christ and sacrifice his kingdom on the altar of the family. Mm. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. If you look at all of his statements about who is my mother, who is my brother, who is my sister, if you look at his comments about the family in the sense of if you do not hate your mother, father, etc., uh, you're not worthy of me. Many, many statements along that line. And here's the problem. Christian people may hear something like that or read something like that from the lips of Jesus and say, well, well Lord, just give me uh, carte blanche permission to divorce my spouse because, you know, they don't really get the gospel of the kingdom. Right. right? Or neglect my family. Yeah, exactly. And there you have totally missed the Lord again. So this is something you have to work out between you and God. And... At the end of the day, we do need the safeguard of other believers, even if it's two or three, even if it's one, if you can't find two or three, goodness. Mm -hmm. And the kingdom will force you to make radical decisions, but there's some decisions that look radical, but they're just foolish and stupid, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the difference. And I would just say this related to the follow-up comments this person was making about I don't know any Westerner or American I know a lot of Westerners and I know a lot of Americans who are obeying the gospel of the kingdom 
Now, it may not fit into your particular mold of what that looks like. You know, I don't know any of them that are living out in the wilderness eating wild honey and locusts, mm -hmm. you know, and wearing a camel's hair suit. And I wouldn't be all that impressed with that anyway. But in terms of forsaking all and following the Lord, many people listening to this podcast would fit into that. But that's going to look different for each person, using the example that you gave about you and your wife. And the Lord is going to prune. John 15 is a spiritual principle that just doesn't move. I know in my own life there's consistent pruning and cutting away things that I was getting my attention to, good things, positive things, things that even made money, but things that the Lord was no longer breathing on. And so I cut those things out. Again, this comes down to following the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the points I tried to make over and over again in the book. No one can be the Holy Spirit to someone else. But if your heart is yielded to him, you've been captured by his glory, which is an ongoing thing. You may have seen his glory a year ago or six months ago. We need a steady diet of seeing his glory and reminding each other of his grace, which is what fellowship is really designed to do at the end of the day. But if your heart is open and yielded, the Holy Spirit will make very clear to you how to respond to the gospel of the kingdom in various areas of your life. Yeah, that's good, Frank. And, and if you are someone who is married there and assuming that you both belong to the Lord and are actively following the Lord. If the Lord's calling you to something, um, your spouse is going to bear witness. When Jennifer had brought up the idea that she probably needed to stop working, the Lord had already been speaking that to me. Not in an overt way, but it was kind of already stirring around in me. And when she actually said the words out loud... Mm that seed kind of just blossomed open in me. And I knew that, yes, it was the Lord's will. And, and of course, immediately then my mind went to the fallout of actually following mm -hmm. through with that. And, um, and then you process that and you jump off the cliff anyway. You know it's the Lord. So, But there was an agreement. There was a harmony between us mm -hmm. about to do it. And even a discussion about, what the consequences were, at least the ones that we could see, and and then a sense to keep moving forward anyway. If there are other people who are deeply impacted by your decision to say yes to the Lord, there should be some consideration of those people and how mm. all that plays out. And if it's a spouse, then there needs to be more than oh, just yeah. a consideration. Absolutely. There needs to be a conversation. You know, if you are joined together with someone who is not a believer, that's not green light permission to just cut your relationship off with them. The New Testament is quite clear about this, and that's another topic. But I do want to say this, too. For those of you who are just starting to read Insurgents, or maybe you read through it, but you didn't notice that there is a website, it's mentioned in the book several times, that has a grouping of free PDF articles that were originally part of the book, but the publisher had to cut the book because it was too long. And uh, one of them deals with baptism. Another one deals with a passage regarding the second coming of Christ. Another one deals with you shall not see death until this happens. Another one deals with the family passages in the Gospels. 
and their articles. And, and I just want to say that if you haven't gone back and read those, I would encourage you to do that because they're just as important to the other parts of the book, in my view, but the editor just wanted to cut them because the book was too long. So I hope this helps. I hope this helps the gentleman who posed the question, and I hope it helps all of you who are listening. I'm just looking at the question again. He says, how is it possible to leave everything when Jesus says, follow me? You don't have to leave everything. You have to leave everything that Jesus is telling you to leave. And I think sometimes we just lump our entire life into one large basket and say, Jesus is asking me to leave all of this. And it is possible that he could say that to some, but sometimes he's pinpointing something. And you know what it is. This is, if you're, if you're, going off to try to do guesswork about what it is that Jesus is asking you if you're going to be his disciple and what do I have to leave and you start no you already know these are things that have already gotten a hold of your heart and the Lord's seeking to set you free from them unto himself this is does not require some kind of great intensive search um, and some kind of deep dive into yourself. These things, the Holy Spirit is communicating to us these things. They're, they're pretty near the surface in terms of what it is that he's putting a finger on at any point. So, and I have found that for me it's been progressive in things in life. Sure. Not everything all at once. Yeah, and that's a, that's a mercy to us because yeah. God deals with us in the space where we're at presently. And certainly there are areas that we're blind to that he progressively opens our eyes to. And and I think that subtle voice of the Spirit, when we surrender our hearts to him new and afresh, the decibels get turned up and we begin to hear him clearer. I think I would also draw a distinction between leaving everything, because that seems to be a the way you're describing is a physical leaving, like, okay, quit my job, you know give my savings to these causes or these people. Move out of my house. Move out of my house. Give my cars away. Yeah, exactly. But the forsake all, that is the unmovable call of Jesus. But that is something that one does in their heart as it relates to everything, including your family. Are you willing to forsake your family if it comes down to that? And Jesus did talk about that. You know, and he actually predicted that this would happen. So, okay, I'm just using it as an example. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to, maybe the Lord isn't calling me to sell my car and ride a bicycle, but am I willing to forsake it mm-hmm. if the Lord did say that? The Lord isn't calling me, for example, right now to relocate, to sell my house and move somewhere else and maybe into a smaller home or uh, what have you, but am I willing to forsake my house? Mm-hmm. See, so forsake all that covers everything, and that is part of the call of Jesus. But to leave everything, that's going to be based on what the Lord is calling you to forsake at, mm-hmm. at a given time. Would you yeah. agree with that? I would. It's almost like saying everything ought to be on the altar at all times, but not everything is consumed by the Lord. That's right. Usually all right. at once. Some things not at all. Some things just sit there on the altar for all your days, but they're there. And, you know, the tricky part about talking this way and even broaching the subject is the human heart is deceitful. Even when we're regenerated, there's still, you know, until the Lord captures every ounce of our soul, 
we can deceive ourselves and look for the loopholes and so forth. You know, it's one thing to read the Bible, but when we read the Bible and we read the Gospels and we hear and, and consume the words of Jesus, the Bible's also reading us. The words mm -hmm. of Jesus are also reading us. And so we will glean from it and from conversations like we're having right now what our hearts want to filter through. They will reveal the state of our hearts. And so somebody who maybe the Lord is calling someone to break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And then they're hearing you say, well, the Lord isn't necessarily calling you to leave everything. And that's true. But if that person is so attached mm -hmm. to their yeah. girlfriend or boyfriend and the Lord is saying, I want you to sever this relationship, all they will hear in this podcast is what you said. Right. Well, the Lord doesn't always cause us to leave everything. Well, maybe he's not calling me to. You see what I mean? Right. This is why yeah. it becomes so tricky. Very tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the antidote to that is... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're starting to hone in on why there are actually so few disciples. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the antidote to that is who knows. Uh, I mean, ay, ay, ay. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> well, if you're playing those kinds of games, then you have a lot bigger problems to to be wrestling with that's for sure and i think we're all capable of playing those kinds Absolutely. of games with the lord and with ourselves you know yeah. there's a certain fundamental dishonesty that that we have going on when it comes to that kind of a practical example that you just brought up and i think most of us can relate to having done something like that or thought yeah. something like that with mm -hmm. some part of our life or someone mm -hmm. or a career or an identity or material possession or whatever it is and god have mercy on all of us that he would just keep chipping away at that kind of stuff and Amen. And, and worse then sometimes he gives you what you mm -hmm. what you want and then oh, that true. turns into its own little nightmare yeah. for a while <laughs> be careful how you pray you might get what you ask for all right folks i think we'll end on that note and we will see you in the next episode if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it.